You're listening to the Student to Student Podcast. I'm your host, James O'Douda. This podcast is made possible by the Student Life Network, your resource hub for all things school, and Canada's Luckiest Student, the largest student giveaway in Canada. Today we have Kelsey Komorowski, who is the founder of Como. She has 16 years of experience working with students to help them develop skills, mindsets, and attributes they need to thrive, not just in school, but as lifelong learners. Kelsey loves empowering parents with the skills and knowledge to help their kids reach their potential while establishing positive household dynamics around school. So how are you doing today, Kelsey? I'm doing great. Thanks, James. Thanks for having me on. How are you? No problem. I'm doing well. Um, so I got a little sunburn yesterday. I was playing basketball, so. That, that sounds lovely and very uh, yeah, un-COVID of you. Yeah, <laughs> I was just me and my roommate, roommates were doing it. But yeah, the first thing I wanted to bring up was on the uh, Como website, it has the FAM acronym. So what does FAM stand for and how does how do you use that in your teachings? Yeah, excellent starting point. So the FAM stands for the Framework for Academic Management. And this is our flagship offering that we've developed over nine years of research and development. Uh, myself with fellow educators, professors, policymakers, PhDs, essentially working to get at the root of why do students struggle? What is the root of stress and struggle when it comes to school for all different types of learners um, in different curricula? And long of the short, we found that it is related to a skills deficit. So we went about developing this digital learning framework that shows students exactly how to engage in their schoolwork in such a way that they are genuinely learning and very explicitly and systematically building out their core skill set. So we focus on five core skills in the FAM. We look at critical thinking, communication, time management, as well as executive functioning and metacognition. And basically, there's two things going on in the FAM. On the one hand, we are showing students how to be independent learners, because we found that you can have the very best teachers, right? The very best teachers doing amazing jobs at delivering their curriculum. But if you don't have a learner ready to process, understand, retain, and apply that information, it doesn't matter how many teachers. And let's face it, you know, a lot of teachers are amazing, but a lot of teachers are not. Yeah. So we found that when the student has these independent learning skills, right, they're self-motivated and they can really work through all of their material on their own and understand and build out their skill set, that they're ready to go. They can get the grades they want without all the stress, without all the overwhelm, um, and, and they can really enjoy their academic career, so to speak. Wow. So everything comes back to kind of like those core five learning values and trying to teach someone how to like learn properly, I guess? That's exactly right. Yeah. So the, the easiest way to think about it is it is a tool for skill building through schoolwork. So schoolwork offers basically just years of repeated opportunities for building out critical thinking, communication, time management, these five skills. But for the most part, most students, they don't do that, right? They do schoolwork by getting it done. They complete assignments, they complete worksheets, they write an essay or consuming information. So they're watching a video or listening to something or reading a text but they're just going through the motions of homework. Yeah. There's no deeper thinking or strategizing going on. So we show them how to take their homework, which a lot of students find like often boring or like, how am I ever gonna use this or irrelevant? And we, we help them give meaning to it because it's not about the schoolwork. It's like, yeah, you might not have to use Pythagore. You might not have to use, sorry, I went to school in France for a while. Pythagore is how they say it. I don't think that's how you say it in English, but <laughs> um, you know that it doesn't matter because it's not about what they're doing, it's about how they are learning and how you show up in school, how you show up as a thinker and a learner is how you're gonna show up in life. And it goes without saying like your learning potential is directly tied to your earning potential. So the framework we developed 
it uses schoolwork to build up their skills, but we're building up the skills that they'll need to succeed long after school is over. So would you say those five core values are like the principles of learning and then you build off of that kind of? Oh, that's, uh, that's a really good question. Um, yes and no. So when we look at those core five, those are our core five, and those are our key skills. Because we found over the years that basically any sort of competency required to thrive and to genuinely connect with yourself as a learner and be really competent and reach your goals, it falls under those five, usually a combination. Yeah. So those are our core five skills. And like in our fam, that's what we are showing students how to build out very explicitly. The principles of learning, um, they, they intersect for sure. But when I think about the principles of learning, it's more about what learning is versus what it isn't. Because there's a lot of misconceptions, um, especially with our like high schoolers, that they, there's just a lot of myth around what learning is. So when we talk about principles of learning, it's more about, you know, and there's a few of them, but for example, learning is a process, right? Students think that if they get something done, right, it's an outcome, it's done. And the truth with learning is that it's iterative, right? You are learning, you are engaging. And then when you can show what you've learned, a test, for example, that's great. But that doesn't mean that we close the book on whatever you've learned. That just elevates yeah. your baseline. Yeah, right? because I, I was even thinking during this, like I've learned so much over my time in school and I like, I don't remember any of it, I guess, or like a lot of it that I learned in like grade 12 because like it didn't stick with me, right? I, exact same thing. I just did the homework to get it done and then I didn't remember any of it. So yeah. And which is you're in such good company, first of all, like you're in such good company with like most of our students. It's so true. And what we want to do, it's like the, the content, the what you did, right? Again, that's secondary, but for kids to graduate high school, kids, you know, young adults, but to, to finish high school with a strong sense of who they are and what they're capable of, right? The content, like the English, the math, the biology, all of that is just a way to become a strong thinker, a strong learner, to actually figure out what you're capable of, right? Just how far can you go? So do you believe in those like um, different, like, I don't know, like places they put students? Cause there's like the visual learner and then the, the hands-on learner and like, like the one I was like, I thought you might down. ask that question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is that, do you think that's like all true or do you think it's like kind of depends? Um, okay. I want to, be very careful with my wording here for this answer. So on the one hand, absolutely, we have seen that students, different students exhibit different learning preferences and styles, okay? That's 100%, we see that. However, in my work and in our experience, it, the, what we've done is essentially developed out universal principles of learning, okay? And universal ways of building skills. And a big part of what we did, like we just, we launched the FAM in its current version, you know, like two, and a half years ago and leading up to that it was about testing because you hear about well I've got this learning difference or I'm just not good at math or I've got you know it's a bad school or a bad teacher there's a lot of excuses around or or and that's one other one well I'm just this type of learner right I have to yeah. do like this and and we found that every single student every single student can can can, can like build skills in the same way right so sure if they're leaning more towards auditory versus whatever that might inform or shape their preference for how they do it but as far as just like a uniform standardized means of skill building regardless of how a student leans or what their preferences are all students can build these skills out very explicitly does that answer the question yeah, so yes yeah, yeah. it's valid but also if you're one leaning one way or another it doesn't at all impact your ability to build out these skills and like we've been doing this online like i said like long before COVID, yeah. and we use zoom and we use you know screen share 
and every student is able to, to do that. So. so it's almost like you might have like a preference in the way you learn, but everyone can learn in the way that, in one way. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And like our, just to be super clear here conceptually, because what we do is um, a lot of people are unfamiliar with it. Like it's not teaching, it's not tutoring. What we do is skill building, right? So when we're talking about skill building, we are helping our students. We're modeling the thoughts and the thought paths that they themselves want to develop and be able to have autonomously in order to problem solve, in order to self-motivate, in order yeah. to do these things. So do you then teach kids how to like study, I guess? And like, what are like the best ways to study? Because I always had an issue with that. Yes, that's like uh, absolute pillar of what we do. Because for a lot of students, and I don't know if this would apply to you, it applied to me when I was younger before I actually realized I wasn't learning. But like a lot of students, they just think that studying means like reading stuff over. Yeah, yeah. Like I would read it over and like write it down like t- 10 times, like remember it and be like, well, that I'm done now. Like, yeah, and you know what? That's not like, you know, I wouldn't say don't do that. I would say there are certainly more powerful ways of, of studying. So like when we think about studying, there's, I think, a few foundational pieces as well as tactical pieces. And you, um, I'll, tr- I'll try to keep the answers as concise as possible. So first and foremost, when you're studying, you you need to know that the best way to study is from a skills-based perspective. So most students, they sit down and they're like, okay, I have math homework. And then, okay, I have English. And then I have biology. And they're ex- like looking at these different subjects. They're expending out like different, you know, different energy, different efforts for each subject. And that is so stressful and it, it's so inefficient. Whereas if you look at it's all about your skills, okay? It's not about what you're studying, it's about how you're studying. How are you thinking critically? How are you managing your time? How so, are you deploying your executive functioning? Sorry, but so when you say skills, you're talk, are you talking about like those five core values that you mentioned at the beginning? Those are the core five that we focus on for sure. And we find that if you can approach your schoolwork, so your math homework, your English essay, studying for a biology test, right? Whatever it is that you need to study, if you're doing so with first and foremost, concentrating on the skills that you are bringing to bear to the material, you're going to get so much more out of it. You're going to learn faster and you're going to retain a lot easier. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I understand now. Okay. Um, That's first and foremost with the skills over the subjects. And then I'd say this also dovetails into a second pretty big piece. And uh, I think I mentioned, we touched on it already, but it's, it's about going from like, okay, doing schoolwork, right? I've just got to get school done. That's how most students think about it so they can get on with their lives to really understanding your student journey as an academic career and to your role as managing that academic career. So if you're just going through the motions of getting your homework done, I'm sorry to say, A, you are yes in good company, but B, like you're doing school the most ineffective way possible. And there's so much potential that's wasted when you're just focusing on getting it done. When you take a strategic perspective to planning out and and checking in with and, and really being an architect of your own success, it becomes so much more interesting and you end up actually just being so much more effective. So when you can think about first and foremost in terms of the skills you're using, second, in terms of the management, you are a manager of your academic career. Um, it's really empowering and, and you tend to get a lot better results as far as learning, which translates like to higher grades and stuff like that. So one of the big issues that um, I personally had when I was learning in countless amount of my friends was procrastination. Like I would leave essays to like, the night before I've done that multiple times. So how would, how do you combat that? And like, what do you guys teach to like get that time management skill down? 
Yeah. Okay. So that's an excellent question. And I want to qualify by saying we literally have an entire week um, of our 10 week program dedicated to that. So um, I will answer the best I can given that we're on a podcast. Um, Okay. So with procrastination, the very first thing that we want to, to do is usually with goal setting. And it's not just about, you know, I want to get an A or I want, you know, whatever it is, you can set your grade goals. Um, But more importantly, is like, why do you want those things? Because we found that if you're just doing schoolwork and you have no greater motivation, you're always going to procrastinate. Like, of course you are, especially like if you don't like math or if you don't like writing, right? And you have no broader context in which to understand the importance or the value of getting that done, then it's going to be a battle and it's going to suck. Right. So we always like to help our kids like think about and really introspect and it's different for everyone, but about like, what is your why? And uh, just I'll take a couple examples or one big example from one of our most recent students where we, when we drilled down, he's like, yeah, like, I don't want to procrastinate. I don't want to have my mom on my back. Like, I don't want to feel like I'm a loser. He's like, I was like, I kind of feel like a loser when I procrastinate because I know like I'm not doing anything else. I'm just playing video games, Yeah, but I feel like a loser. And when we kind of unpacked and got more into it, it came out that it meant like he wants to be a person with integrity. And he wants to be a person who, when he says he's going to do something, that he'll do it. And that that's just the type of human he wants to be. So for him, it's in the viewing procrastination as this fantastic opportunity to build out his own integrity. And, And that's just one student. And I don't know if that will resonate with whoever is listening to this, but there are like a million iterations of what that bigger motivation and that internal why can be. So we'd say first and foremost, get a why your own internal why for why you're doing this stuff because it's if it's only just about going through the motions then you're going to procrastinate that's just number one just that mindset piece and then number two is very much strategic and so yeah it's about time management it's about you need to know how to do your work because at the end of the day if you don't know how like it's human nature right people don't want to do stuff that they don't know how to do people don't want to do stuff that makes them feel dumb or that makes them feel like they're struggling or that you know it's not fun it doesn't feel good So if you know exactly how to work through your stuff, you know, literally the exact steps, I get this assignment, here's step one, here's step two, here's step three. It's almost like if you're just sitting down, the second you just sit down to do it, and then the steps take over, and there's a very organic kind of momentum that can build when you understand the steps that you're following. So that just cuts out a lot of procrastination kind of in the bud. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes, so you kind of just lay out a game plan of how it's like attacked like something or something, or like attack like an essay or like something like that. And then those steps would lead to not procrastinating because you know how you're going to get it done kind of. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really, exactly. That's an excellent synopsis. Like if you, so we talk about the steps for assignment completion, for example, I don't care if you have a 50 word reflection or a math worksheet or you're studying for a science test, there are seven steps of assignment completion that you're going to follow. And when you build out that internal frame of reference of what those steps look like in different contexts, right, within and across different subjects, you are so clear on what needs to be done and you have absolute confidence that you can get it done. And especially if you have that bigger why, you want to get it done. And sometimes, honestly, for for students who don't necessarily love learning even, and some students that's a challenge unto itself to help them, you know, reconnect with that joy of learning, it's about like, I want more free time. So if they, if they, they know exactly how to do it, they'll sit down and do it. They do it really efficiently and then they can go and enjoy life, right? Without the weight of school hanging over their heads. 
Paying for school could be easier than you thought. This year, Student Life Network is giving away a life-changing prize package of cash, trips, shopping sprees, tech, and more to one lucky Canadian student. But you can only win if you're in the draw. Enter now at canadasluckystudent.com backslash REF backslash podcast. Again, that's canadasluckystudent.com backslash REF backslash podcast for your chance to win. Thanks for listening, everyone. So are those seven steps you mentioned, are they like the same seven for each student or do you kind of like customize them depending on like what a student needs? No. So this is the beauty of it. The, the logic of the steps, it applies to all assignments, all students, all everything, right? Depending on the scope or complexity of an assignment, certain steps might take bigger precedence. Yeah. But as far as just the general steps of like actually step one, when you get an assignment, when you get an essay, deconstruct the guidelines, when you get a math problem, deconstruct, like it applies in some way, shape or form to everything okay. and helping students build out what those steps look like for them is something we love doing because for sure every student like we said they have their own preferences but the actual logic and the steps of it don't change yeah that, that's that makes sense that like i it, it's blowing my mind because i never thought about learning this way instead of like learning it's like you're building more towards actual life it's really interesting um and one thing you mentioned as well is that i'm very interested in learning about is teaching parents versus teaching students so how does teaching a student's parents on how to help them is that what you guys kind of do with parents or do you like what do you do with the parents when they ask for the help oh my gosh yeah i love this question so much so okay there's a few a few things so first and foremost a lot of parents um that i talked to and we've talked with like thousands over the years and a big thing is that they don't understand and it might be like i don't understand my kid is so smart are they just lazy like, I don't understand why they're not doing it. Like, why won't they just get their work done? Like, blah, blah, blah. Or they won't understand how to help. Where it's like, my kid desperately wants help and I don't know how to help them. Like, I'm trying to teach, I'm trying to help tutor, but it's not working. So very much in the same way that we are supporting our students learning, we're not teaching. We're not telling them what they need to know. That doesn't help, right? We are enabling them to think and problem solve on their own two feet. So we do a very similar type of work with the parents so that they too can start to learn the logic of learning and achievement. And that's one of my favorite parts, especially in the last couple of years, because we've really invited parents to participate a lot more meaningfully in the work. Um, and to see that the collaborative family learning and family skill building that can happen when we get parents involved and even just say at the very bare minimum, they're also watching the trainings that their kids are watching right? They're coming to a parent call and they're like, hey, I'm having this challenge with my kid with procrastinating or whatever, and walking them through the different strategies and options. Again, everything's very methodical, right? Yeah. So to give them the tools that they can test out different strategies in their home, and then basically to have a mentor and a, and a guide who is able to help them tweak until we get that sweet spot with what works. So you kind of teach the parents what you're teaching the students to then help the parents guide the student along with the other work, the other teachers that you're giving them? Absolutely. It's to, at the end of the day, we want, I want parents, I want every parent should feel confident about their ability to support their kids learning. Okay. And this is, again, I don't expect parents to be teachers. That's not their job, but for a parent to have the confidence to be able to coach their child in how to learn and in how to self-motivate 
I think every parent should have that ability. And it's not, you know, there's a lot of resources on like social emotional learning or teaching or whatever, educating, but there's not a lot done on in-home skill building. Yeah. And that's our niche. So that's first and foremost, but also James, I'll add, this has become this is delightfully unexpected over the last couple of years that parents will start incorporating what they're learning into their own lives. Right. So like they'll do, they'll be like, Kelsey, like I, I use that, um, your calendar training to redo my own calendar. Like it's great. And then her and like their kids have the same thing. You know, like, that's amazing. Yeah. And we've, we've really been building that out um, the last year, especially as far as showing students and parents, what does lifelong learning mean? Everyone talks about it. What does that mean? Right. So like the same type of skills that you might use to write an essay, for example, how does that translate to a resume? And we've done workshops with parents and students, both on like figuring out their own learning together. And above all, I'd say it's just giving them space to, to think about themselves as learners, right? Because if parents can model learning, if parents can model skill building very explicitly in the home, then that is going to amplify what their kids understand and what their kids are able to do for their own learning and skill building. Yeah, because I feel like if a student sees their like mom or dad doing the same stuff that they're doing I guess it kind of rubs off them on maybe like hey this does work and like all that stuff is that the one right or, like aspect yeah yeah one way or another it does and I'd, I'd say I'd, I'd also highlight a big part I think a big misconception with like and definitely with school but with learning is that a lot of kids feel like they they need to know like they feel dumb if they don't immediately get something and they don't understand that there's a really healthy amazing the good struggle as we call it where, where it just comes to thinking and problem solving and reflecting on hey that didn't work you know, what can I do better? And for parents to be modeling that out and really normalizing, you know, quote unquote failure. I tried this, it didn't work. That that's, doesn't really matter. That's just like a great way to be like, okay, why didn't that work? And what can I try next? And it really helps build out a household culture of skill building, of resilience, of all of these things. That's, um, yeah, super beneficial. So, and I know one thing, like, especially when um, I was younger that my parents like just kind of forgot I don't know, grade four math or whatever. So do you guys do like refresher courses with parents to be like, these are multiplication tables and like, this is how you long divide. Like, do you guys do like right down to like business like that stuff as well or not as much? No. So we don't do, we don't do curriculum delivery. Like we're not, um, we're not a school. We're not an institution giving um, like subject specific materials like that. Um, but that's, that's interesting that you bring that up because there's definitely something to be said as far as like content packets, like refreshers for parents. Yeah. But I think the, the bigger thing and where, where we focus too more is like, if your kid is doing something that you don't know how to do, um, and there's definitely, you know, there's stuff online, there's other resources where you might be able to have a refresh of the curriculum and of how to do it. But more important, it's like, what a great way to learn. And yeah. that's one of the best ways. If you don't know how to work through something, if you're looking at your kid's grade nine math, and that's such an amazing opportunity to be like, how would I figure this out? Because that's a big part of learning is like, if you don't know how to work through material that's hard, how do you do it? It's very humbling also, right? If a parent is unsure how to do their kid's schoolwork, it's like lean into that. There's a really great sense of intellectual humility that I think is really lost, especially as we get older, we feel like we should know stuff. And to be reminded of like, no, you should always be learning and learning yeah. can be hard and learning can make you feel dumb and it can be uncomfortable and that's all part of it and that's okay. So you would rather, instead of giving like a parent a refresher course on grade nine math, you'd rather both the student and the parents sit down and kind of work out with those seven steps, both together, work out how to figure out the problem, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Showing, okay, we don't know how to do this. How do we learn? 
And like, you know, we, we do have, like, we have subject matter specialists on our staff. Like we have, I have a math specialist, right? It's like, there are certain things when it comes to skill building that you need that for, mm-hmm. right? Just to be able to coach through, how do we solve this? But I'd much rather, again, it's not about telling them and teaching. It's really about building out the, the student's own and the parent's own. How do I learn this? What are yeah. the steps that I need to go through to learn this? And if anything, what you just shared about getting like a refresh packet, that would be a great example of initiative and resourcefulness. Yeah. It's far, okay, I can't do this on my own. What are my resources? That makes so much sense. So I, I'm and, glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. Like, it's just sometimes I talk to people about like learning. Like, I was like, oh, I learned for 18 years in school. And I was like, I think I've, I did it wrong my entire life after talking to you. It's weird. Oh, no. <laughs> You're still so young. You're, yeah. You've got lots of time. I'll get there. And uh, my last question, because you, you brought it up as well with lifelong learning. So clearly you think that learning never stops. So, and what would you do to someone if like someone wants to keep learning? Would you like recommend them do like, um, maybe take like one night course at their local university or something like that if they want to continue that? Would that be a way to, for, if someone wants to keep doing that? Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh, James, I love that question. There are so many ways to, to participate in lifelong learning. And I think it's one of the funnest and easiest ways to get creative with it. So for sure, it could be like, uh, taking a class, right? If you want that academic, you know, foundation, or you're looking to build out a specific, you know, competency or professional development, right? If you want to go back to school for a certificate, that's amazing. Absolutely. But even outside of like a formal learning environment, which you're absolutely right, that is a great way to continue learning, um, would be just like for your own personal growth and development. So one of the things that we do sometimes like a challenge of, you know, a skill a month, what's a skill or a skill a week, depending, but like, what's a skill that you want to build out? A lot, of, a lot of our kids have never heard of metacognition. A lot of our parents too. They're like, what does that mean? And it's like, yeah, what does that mean? What does it look like? So you can just set yourself. And this is the beauty of it. It's very holistic, right? So even if you are taking a formal class to be thinking about your skills, explicitly talking about them and what they look like in academic, personal, professional contexts, that's where it becomes truly like a superpower. And that's what I get. I get really excited about when most of our families, you know, they're not doing explicit skill building, whether it's in school or otherwise. It's like you don't know how much you're capable of. It's, it's truly a superpower for you to see how much more enjoyable and engaging and easier life can be when you have the skill set. What was that big word that you said? A certain meta something? Oh, metacognition. Yeah, I don't know what that means either. <laughs> you are in very good company. So yeah, that's one of our core five. So metacognition basically just means thinking about your own thinking. So I will give an example. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you saw, you like, saw like what? the mouth was like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> seeing the cogs. Yeah. So, um, okay. So most students, um, or rather when, when we're showing students how to like engage in their schoolwork and we kind of, we have, you know, three-step process, we're going to check, we're going to plan, we're going to do. And then we want to reflect. And even like top students, we do work with a lot of high achievers who are like really awesome learners and they like all this. And even for the top achievers, often that reflection piece is forgotten. So when we look at, in this particular example, it's like, say you just did two hours of work, right? Or say it's at the end of a week and you've done all of your work. When you are engaging in metacognition, you are thinking about the quality and nature and process of the thinking that you just went through. So you might be reflecting on that thought path went really well that I took to try to get that theme, that thematic analysis down that worked really well, or that was a disaster and there was no method behind it. I need to be more rigorous with my thinking. I need to write out my steps. You're essentially just reflecting on what's working and what's not with your own thinking. You're reflecting on how you're thinking. 
And that is so, so key to becoming an expert learner and to getting to know yourself and really optimize your thinking and your decision making. So you're trying to like think of what helps you think the best. <laughs> yeah, pretty kind much. Of. Okay, that yeah. Make, that yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that was the dumbed down version for me. That no, that could be your skill of the month, James. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will think on how to think. Yes. Or something. Um so and one last thing I want to do is um we mentioned this on our phone call uh two weeks ago, but um you guys teach for students to be able to make better decisions throughout all aspects of life. So how how which one of those like core five do you think helps the most or is it overall like just that you kind of have to master them all and then that helps through okay oh it's like ask me to pick a favorite child um (laughs) okay so i think there's two answers like on the one hand they are all crucial and this is something again we've just seen over and over again all five intersect in such critical ways that if you're really strong with four and you're lacking on one, you're not as strong in the other four as you could be, right? So like really paying equal attention to each is super important, but I'd say it's like the starting point, like the mother of all of the skills would be critical thinking because our brains are naturally really lazy. They're really passive. They like just to do as little as possible. And we can't build our time management skills. We can't build our executive functioning. We can't reflect on ourselves as communicators if we are not engaging in specific instances of critical thought. So I'd say critical thinking is probably the, the absolute foundation if, if you're making me choose one. So how do you guys um, figure out which student has, so you said like maybe a student is overly good in four and kind of bad on one. So how do you figure out what like of those five core values are they best at and which ones do you have to like work at? Like, so say someone's really good at like problem solving, critical thinking and communication, but needs help on like time management and the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So it's a combination of a few things. Like for, we do intake assessments just first and foremost. So we have what students are self-reporting as like their baseline for each of our five core skills. And then when we're working together, there's kind of two things that we look at. Number one, we have pretty explicit conversations with the student about like, hey, this is, what, do, what does critical thinking mean? And like, we'll, we'll have them explain to us or not being like, I've never heard of this. And most students are like, executive meta, what? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, and you know, that tells us volumes. But the other big thing there is that oftentimes, not oftentimes, but sometimes a student will self-report that they don't know what metacognition means. But then as we're working with them, because like basically our whole job is to, is to see how our students think, because that enables us to help them think better, right? So we'll see that they are actually reflecting, right? They'll be doing something and they'll catch themselves and they'll be like, oh, actually, no, I should really do it this way. And to be able, so they don't have the vocabulary to talk, for example, about metacognition, but they're doing it subconsciously. So to be able to give them vocabulary and language to express what skill they're actually engaging in and that needs building is super key. So kind of to zoom out and answer more shortly, like there's what our students self-report combined with what we observe on our calls and like in the quality of their work, that gives us a very good picture of where are they really strong or where are they like, have they built out the skills in a big way versus what are they lacking, right? And like with time management is a really big one because a lot of our students they won't have calendars or they'll check them sporadically or whatever. So it's like, that's usually one of the, the top ones. That so with that time management calendar thing, do you, would you rather have a student have like a, a hard copy agenda or on like an app on their phone? Which one do you find works better? Yeah. So we always recommend an online calendar. We use Google Cal. 
we recommend that all of our students use Google Calendar um, or just, sorry, any online calendar. Um, just because, I mean, it's just so much more flexible. Um, it's so much easier, right? You can't lose it if you're in class and you can't take, you know, or sorry, if, you're, if you don't have your agenda, you can have your phone or you can have your computer, you can have it on multiple devices. Yeah. Um, also, it's because like we're in a digital world, like you're gonna have to be under, you're gonna have to be fluent in navigating a digital calendar for work. And last but not least, a lot of our students are quite tactile and like to put pen to paper, in which case, great, we'll say do that but also you're gonna be migrating whatever is in your hard copy agenda, you're gonna be plugging it into your calendar anyway. And that's fine too. It doesn't take a whole lot of time to do that, so. What's your opinion on phones in the classroom? Cause I'm interested on that too. Do you think it helps or do you think it like hinders depending on what it's used for? Okay, so, and just to re really emphasize here. So I am not a classroom teacher. I have never been a classroom teacher. Um, based on the when we're, our whole thing is bridging the gap between classroom teaching and at-home learning. Yep. And all I can say about that is it would be absolutely life-changing, like game-changing for a lot of our students to be able to use their calendar app or their notes app to plug stuff in or write things down in class. So if they had the option, like at the end of a class, to pull out their phone for, you know, three minutes to put stuff in, that I think would be huge. Um, just for us, as really getting in the habit of writing things down, having it accessible, they get home, they pop up their computer, their homework is already populated in the calendar. So that's something that we've seen would make a huge difference. That said, I can only imagine how many students would abuse that if they even had their class, their phone with them in the classroom. So, so you think it's a help, a helpful tool to help them learn as well, just be able to write everything down because a student always has their phone on them, I guess. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's a helpful tool when used in a very focused manner, yeah. right? I don't, I would never say like, yeah, kids can just have their phones out on their desk in class, like no way, right? They're not gonna focus, but mm -hmm. to use it as a tool for that singular purpose or a similar purpose to do with skill building and to do with building good habits, then yeah, it would be huge. So, and I guess it wouldn't hurt to like either cause like the, the phone has, is basically a small computer, like they can Google stuff and they can like yeah. kind of learn by themselves. Okay, oh, that's, so yes to phones in, uh, very specific use <laughs> yes very limited i'm like i work we work with a lot of teachers and i know someone would be like are you kidding but it's like in this very specific instance um, it makes sense yeah yeah and all of our we i work like i said i work with teachers i have teachers on my team and they would agree that that's like that would be if, if again it's assuming that kids are going to do that and there's a lot of other you know dynamics at play with respect to operating with integrity and like you know actually honoring what the tool is for as opposed to just being like oh look i can check Facebook. I was kids aren't even on Facebook. Snap, Insta, whatever. Yeah, right? whatever like, they're on now. Yeah, I, yeah, I think Facebook on. is gone. <laughs> that's a, that's I think, a I think it's just yeah. I think it's just like forty old cat moms or <laughs> something like that around there. Not really sure. Totally um, well, thank you for joining me today. I I learned a lot as well, and I hope every everyone else li listening learned. Um, so just where can people find you or find your um, website if they want to reach out to you and talk to you? Cool. Totally. Thanks so much, James. Thanks for having me on. Um, if you're interested in learning more, go to comoconsulting.com. That's K-O-M-O consulting.com. And uh, all of our information, getting in touch, setting up a call. We do free calls. We do one-on-one -on -one free strategy calls um, with our parents, especially. If you are above 18, you can book one on your own. Um, and that's just to really help you get clear on what are your goals, where do you want to be, how can you get there, and we map out a game plan with you. So feel free to check that out too. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, James. 
This has been the Student to Student Podcast. For more content to help you get the most out of your student experience, follow me at J underscore Odota and visit studentlifenetwork.com for exclusive deals, scholarships, and giveaways like Canada's Lucky Student, the largest student giveaway in Canada.